Learning happens everywhere all the time. Hey there and welcome to the Homeschool Success Podcast. I am your host, Cami Wanis, the Freedom Scholar. My experience as a veteran homeschool mom, former public high school teacher, and mentor to homeschool families everywhere, along with periodic guests, will help you to create the homeschool experience you always wanted and your family deserves. Homeschooling is a leap of faith that can cause doubts, overwhelm, and uncertainty while trying to keep love of learning high and balance life, work, and kids. Each episode is packed with the strategies, tips, activity ideas, and resources you need to ensure your kids get a great education, create close family relationships, become good leaders, and have tons of fun. You'll learn everything from scheduling, curriculum, routines, and homeschooling multiple ages to increasing love of learning and everything in between. This podcast is different from anything else out there by also focusing on the thinking shifts that are the key to homeschooling successfully. Whether you're new to homeschooling or a seasoned veteran, make sure to subscribe so you'll gain the practical strategies and confidence you need to develop a rich love of learning culture and environment that results in passionate, lifelong learners. More than ever before, leaders are needed who have a great education and who use their unique talents and gifts to make this world better. Join me on my mission to raise our next generation of leaders through ensuring your family has a supportive and inspiring homeschool journey. Homeschooling is learning through life. You got this. Hello, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about what I call the educational should. And I love this topic. It's something that I talk about nearly every single six months or more. And literally every single time I talk to a homeschooling parent that's either starting out or a homeschooling parent that's having frustration with their homeschooling and their kids and everything, their routines and things that they're doing, because it's something that is ingrained in all of us. And I call it the educational should because it's really letting people should on you, including yourself. And so we're going to talk about today the, what it is. We're going to talk about where it comes from. We're going to talk about why it's important or not and how you can stop shoulding on yourself and letting others should on you. Okay, so the educational should is what we're going to talk about today. And it is something that took me a long time to unlearn, especially as a public school teacher for over seven years. And my husband being a public school teacher for 20 plus years now, and my mom being a retired educational uh, teacher for in public school for, you know, over 20, 30 years, she still is actually, which is really funny, that it is something that's really ingrained in us. Not only is it just coming from us, but it's coming from outside as well. So the educational should is really when you think to yourself or other people say to you, your kids should be learning this. Your kids should be learning that at their age. And what should my kids be learning at such and such grade level, right? How do I know where they should be at this level or that level, right? 
And I don't want him or her to fall behind, right? What if they fall behind? That is a question that so many parents ask, especially new homeschooling questions. That's the educational should. And it comes from so many places. It comes from society having pretty much all of us grown up in the educational system, private schools, even online schools, any type of school system is going to use this shoulding, right? We learn it from colleges. We learn it from the state, right? The state requirements and the state the state standards. We learn it from all these different places. Our parents wanting us to not fall behind. We have standardized testing and all that stuff to tell us if we're behind, if we're ahead, if we're right on track. And these are the things that we as parents look to the schools to make sure that we are making our kids have, you know, the right progress and they're making, they're right on track and they're going to be successful in life, right? This has something to do with their success in life, right? So let's talk about how it originated. How did this should originate? Where does it come from? Well, we know it comes from all different places, including ourselves, our spouses, our everybody's, right? But then how, where did that originally come from? Well, it came from how the school system created basically an arbitrary benchmark of what they determine to be an average student skill level at a certain age to show taxpayers and parents progress, right? We all want to see progress. We all want to know, woo woo, our kids are doing great. They're on track or, oh, our kids are behind. We need to get them, you know, get them up to speed or our kids are ahead. Oh my gosh, we should get an award. We're like major awesome parents, right? <laughs> so our kids are super smart, which by the way, they all are super smart. So we just need to remember that and stop shooting on ourselves. I'm going to talk about more uh, about that in just a second. So the testing that shows us the should, right, is for schools districts and the state to show off performance. That's what it's for, right? It's to show off to the, basically the public or the, the school's area that they're a rock star and you should have your kids go there because schools are businesses. Schools are businesses. They want your business. So you want, they want parents to make sure that they're looking at the scores and they're looking at the ratings and, oh, our kids are doing awesome. And so that's where we want to send our kids to school because they must be doing something right, right? Our kids are going to succeed there. And so that's what the testing and the shooting is actually for, right? The school system is a business. Private schools are a business. They want you, online schools are a business and they want you at their school. So the all the testing and the shooting is basically to show off their performance, right? How many times have you seen them, you know, having a banner on a school or something showing their performance and just, you know, or we're a we're a distinguished school. That was a the high school that I went to. It had a banner for like five years on the, on the school that said, we, you know, this high school is a distinct California distinguished school. And it was so 
it, it's just to show parents that we're, you know, doing super awesome. Our teachers are amazing and you should send your kids here, right? So what is it for, for you, the benefits for you? Well, if you aren't with your kids at school or have no way of knowing what they're learning and whether they're learning or not, what the benchmarks are or what the standards are can show you some data about where your kids stand, right? They can show you what they're learning and what they're not learning or how they're kind of progressing, right? It, although they don't generally test kids on a scale of how they improve, they test kids on how they measure up to the benchmarks, right? To the standards. So it's really, really interesting. And then even for homeschooling, some benchmarks can show progress or lack thereof. And that might be important, right? And you will know this even without testing or without the shooting on yourself. You will understand this as you're going through the curriculum. It's pretty obvious if they're not getting something, right? It's also beneficial because it holds the teachers and individual schools accountable. It really does. It I was kind of a uh, black sheep, if you will, in the school system because I didn't really advertise it. But if somebody asked me, I'd say, yeah, I'm actually for a merit-based teacher pay system because competition is better. And the better you will perform for your students and show up for your students and improve for your students the better you should get paid, I think. But that is not how the school system works. That is not how the system works. I've seen many teachers, and you guys know, I've seen many teachers that just show up in their classroom uh, and just sit there and do nothing, right? Or don't, you know, don't actually teach, don't care about the kids. And so this is, this is just one way that it can hold schools and teachers accountable is the shooting, right? The benchmarking. So you can say, okay, most of your kids are falling behind. Granted, there's no financial benefit or penalty if your kids aren't, but they can say you have your kids at a lower level or a higher level, and therefore you need to do this. So it's kind of some data that the kids can, the teachers can really kind of base their performance on and their effectiveness. So that's good to hold teachers and individual schools accountable for sure. But the drawbacks of the should is really, I think, what most of us really, really are familiar with. And the shooting isn't individualized. That's the problem. It's not individualized. It takes no account of readiness, learning phase or style, or learning abilities. It doesn't take into account that your five-year-old might not be ready to learn how to read yet. He or she might be ready a little bit later, but still they're going to be behind until they start catching up or, and what's going to happen in the meantime? Well, it puts unnecessary pressure on parents, students, and even teachers, which causes frustration and feeling unsuccessful, or they don't feel smart or that they fit in, right? Maybe even they'll have to take remedial classes or do pull-out sessions where they're focusing on reading or math, whatever they're low in, right? Right. 
which I always thought was most amazing way to encourage a student, and I'm totally being sarcastic, is to give them more of the classes that they don't already feel successful in. Man, that's a good way to kill somebody's love of learning, right? And to make them feel unsuccessful. That happens all the time in public school, and it absolutely kills me. It doesn't inspire somebody to want to be better other than the fact that it just tells it reminds them that they're behind. It reminds them of how they're failing. It reminds them of this should, right? And so it's something that really is, we have to take into consideration in our own minds because it can put unnecessary pressure on ourselves as a homeschool educator. And it can put unnecessary pressure on our kids, right? Causing frustration and stress, feeling not smart, right? And you're feeling anxiety because you are you feel like you're not doing a good job. You feel like your kids are going to, you know, fall behind and if they go back to school they're going to fail, they're going to be you know, labeled as the not smart kid. That's going to be so obvious and the most devastating thing is that it causes a loss of love of learning and a separation of relationships in the family. Because what happens when you have conflict within, especially in the parents, right? When you feel like you're not doing a good job, when your kids aren't, you know, doing what they need to do, you feel like just there's stress, right? There's just, you, you don't feel successful in any way. And so that rubs off on your kids and they don't feel successful. They want to draw back from the place that really reminds them of how unsuccessful they are, which may or may not be you if you're feeling unsuccessful as well. And so it separates relationships in the family, which is most devastating and it causes loss of love of learning. And you guys know I am all about the love of learning. We got to keep that high, man. We really do. We got to keep that high. And so this educational should is really something that we have to unlearn. We have to unlearn just every day. We have to constantly focus and we have to constantly reframe, right? So we're going to talk about this right now, how to let it go. So the only time that the should matters is that by the end of high school, if they're planning to go to a straight to a four-year university, then it matters a little bit. But that's it. That's the only time that it matters is if right after graduating high school, they go straight to a four-year university. They, If they're behind in one area or another, that might affect them in which classes they take. However, I know I, even as a pretty decent student in high school, still had to take a remedial math class. One is because I wasn't really amazing at testing, <laughs> but the, and the testing for math for the university was actually on the same day as my senior fashion show. So, I mean, what's more important really? <laughs> so the most, so if they're, you know, going to a four-year university straight away and they're behind or they don't test well in their, in their entrance exams, it's totally fine. They have remedial courses for that. It's not like you can't go as long as you get into the school. Right. And then also 
most kids aren't going straight to a four-year university. Pretty much these days, the only kids that go straight to a four-year university are A, those parents that can afford it, and two, those kids that get full-ride scholarships or scholarships enough to go straight there, and three, if they are athletes and they get recruited. So that's really the only times now where kids are going straight to a four-year university. Many, many, many kids and most kids, just because financially it's a huge difference if they just go straight to a JC and then go to the four-year and get their bachelor's. So if they're going to a junior college, getting their AA, it doesn't matter because even if they do take entrance exams there, they have classes that can beef them up, whatever, and they're at the age where they're kind of like, okay, I can just do the work and whatever. They're not five years old. They're not eight years old. They're not even 13 where their self-image and their love of learning is being attacked, right? That's going to affect the rest of their learning. They can just take another class and whatever, I'll catch up. So that needs to be kind of the attitude that you're going with is that, the only time it matters is if they're going to a straight uh, a straight to a four-year university, right? That's it. So how do you let it go? Is one, you remind yourself that it doesn't matter. In a classroom, if your kids are going back to public school or you're considering that, that maybe they'll go back to public school for high school or maybe this homeschooling thing, I'm not sure if we're going to do this forever. Maybe they'll go back to public school or back to a private school, whatever. The When you think about that and you think about you don't want your kids to be behind, yes, we don't want our kids to go in the classroom and go, oh my gosh, I they're, they're reading and I can't read at all, okay? that's That might be a red flag that might institute some loss of love of learning, but it is all in how you frame it with your child. It's all in how you get them to think about it, right? And it is definitely something that you don't have to push. It doesn't have to be that dramatic. And most of the time, it won't be that dramatic. Maybe though they won't be able to read as well as some of the kids that are in the public school. But guess what? In any classroom, at any time, every single year, there are kids of all levels in every single classroom. Always. There always has been. There always will be. There are kids on the lower level. There are kids in the average level and the median. And there are kids on the higher level. And in the classroom, we don't teach to the lower kids for the most part. They get other classes for that or special somethings or other. We don't teach even to the higher level for the most part. We teach to the middle, even though there's all this, there's all this theory and methodology and public education for teachers based on what's called differentiation, which means we're trying to reach all kids at all levels. So you would basically create three different lesson plans for every single lesson that you make. So you're creating a low one, a medium one, and a high level one, right? This is very unrealistic for 
teachers, obviously, right? They have five classes a day. They have to do, or if you're an elementary teacher, you have all the subjects and you have 30 kids in your room. There's no way that this is happening. It's completely unrealistic for teachers. And so they do their best to kind of incorporate every single person and, and help them along in either way. But your top end kids are always going to be bored and your lower end kids are always going to be struggling in some way or another. And you help them along, but that's just the way school is. That's the system. That's what the system allows. So knowing that when you say, is my kid going to go back to school? I don't want them to go back to school and have them be behind, right? There are always going to be kids at every single level, no matter what you do. So it's not a big deal, especially at the younger ages, not a big deal. Totally, totally fine. There are kids at all different levels at all different times in every single classroom. So let it go, let it go, right? And so you really got to let it go. So it takes time to reframe that thinking. Just have a little grace for yourself and your kids and know that you're going to struggle with it for a while. You're going to always think, oh gosh, we should be doing more. We should be this place in math. Oh, he's struggling with reading. Oh, just refuses to read and spell. I don't know what's going on, right? Every time that comes up for you, you need to have a little alarm that goes off in your mind like ding, 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 ding. Here we go. This is a time to reframe your thinking, right? So ask yourself the deeper questions when that stuff comes off. Your little alarm goes off. And you need to ask yourself the deeper questions. And the deeper questions are, what phase of learning is he or she in? And I'm talking about phase instead of a grade for a reason. Because if they're not in a phase where they're in a place where they're ready to learn, right? To ready to learn the skill, whatever it is, doesn't matter how old they are, then they're not ready yet, right? So, and then consider. Is this a skill that your child has to know right now? Like that fourth grade, they have to be totally good with division, long division. I don't know. Do they learn that in third grade now? I don't even know. But they have to be totally good with multiplication by the time they're in third grade or second grade, whatever they're taught that now. I don't even know. But... That's what you need to think to yourself. Does he or she have to know this right now? And why? Who says? What if they learned it next year? What if they learned it six months from now? What if they learned it a month from now? What if they learned it two years from now? I know that's crazy talk. I know it's crazy talk, but just try and be with me here, right? Okay. It's typically not really going to happen, but sometimes it does. Let me give you a story real quick because this has happened over and over and over again in my family with my son. My son, as of this recording, it's August 2023 and he is 14, right? But we have gone through these shoulds so much. It literally has taken me six good years, the first six good years <laughs> of homeschooling to really unlearn this should. Because I had it ingrained deeper than most people. I was a teacher. 
Like it's really deep. And then my husband would come home and he's talking about the should that's happening at his school or the should that he's thinking about. I have to give you really, I have to give you the, the, the real deal on the fact that my husband is super amazing because he actually has pretty much unlearned the should in public education just by doing what we're doing because it is so hard to do that and he still exists in the system that has the shoulding but he has learned to reframe it and say like that's okay that's okay it does help that he's doing a lot he's doing a lot more uh hands-on stem lego robotics he does a little bit of english as a second language kind of ELD learning, but and and language arts, but not as much as he used to. So it does help with that. But really, my son has is an early reader. He was an early reader. He was reading at four, but he was not an early writer. He actually hated writing. He's a super perfectionist. And so he knew how the letters should look. And it was so hard for his little fingers just to get him there. He just was like, man, this isn't worth it. This takes too much time. I don't even want to do this. And so what he would do is he would just be like, I'm, I don't want to write. You know, he'd just write for a little bit or, and then he'd be done or he'd throw a fit or he'd just, you know, it would take forever for him to write something because he'd be looking around, he'd be bored. He also had trouble coming up with sentence framing with like, what's the right word for this? What's the, how do I really put this sentence together that I'm thinking of right now? Or how do I start or something like that, which is totally normal, totally normal. Even though he's an amazing reader, my kid reads at a beyond college level. He reads so deep. It's amazing. Now he, although he did read very, very well, very early on, but the spelling also had a huge problem. For some reason, the spelling just wasn't there and it would blow my mind. And I would get super frustrated, like, seriously, what does this sound say? You know, and I would say like, cat, cat. And he would be like, oh, and I'm C-O. And I'm like, where do you get C-O from? Like, I don't even understand. We did phonics. We did all this stuff. Like, how does that even happen? We spent so much time on this. And then finally, he started really to get a lower level of learning a love of learning in writing. And I was so frustrated and he was starting to get frustrated. And I was like, man, I got I just have to let this go. I have to let this go. And me as an English teacher, right? I felt like, oh, my kid is struggling in writing. How is that even possible when he's reading so well? This is, this is crazy. But I had to let it go. And don't even think that I wasn't beating myself up, that I wasn't, you know, like, man, we should be doing more writing. Oh, I can't believe we're not writing. We let it go for a long time. That's not to say that we didn't write anything, but we didn't do very much. And I did sometimes write for him. I still do sometimes. And like just typing or whatever, because he's not a super fast typer. And I know that if he wants to get things, something done and I didn't help him with it, that it would be a struggle. So we're, we're kind of transferring out of the stage right now, which is really amazing. You guys, guess what? Last night, he talked to me about his book that he wants to write. 
He wants to write. He's writing all kinds of things now. He wants to write a book, you guys. He wants to write a book. This is amazing. He would have never, ever, ever even thought of that if I hadn't let it go. It is amazing when I let it go, and it was a long time, how fast the spelling came back. Because he's such a good reader, the spelling came back so fast. It was crazy. I mean, not that it ever was there. I shouldn't say it came back. It just came fast. He actually had a lot of self-doubt around spelling, and he still kind of does. But he would say, mommy, how do you spell this? You know, or how do you, is this the right spelling for this? And typically he would have the right letters just in a little bit of a wrong order. And so some of them. And so I would say, you're really close, buddy. Or, and then it went to very quickly to, yeah, that's exactly how you spell it. Right on, buddy. And so now he rarely asks me how to spell things. It's really amazing. It's so amazing. But I also didn't harp on the spelling either. So we've done this over and over again with writing. We've done it with math. We've done it with lots of things that I see this all of a sudden he's not ready to do something. And I'm like, oh, and we kind of struggle for a minute. And then I, my, my red alarms go off in my mind and I say, does he have to learn this right now? Is he ready to learn this skill yet? And oftentimes if he's really struggling, the answer is no, let it go. It will come. Oh my gosh, that's so hard for me. You guys have no idea how hard that is. It's so hard for me to let it go. But literally, I'm finally in a place where it doesn't matter to me. That's fine. Go ahead. We'll cover it later. He's going to learn it later. It's totally fine. The other day, like I said, he taught me a lesson on quantum mechanics. He taught me a lesson on on the energy waves and how radiation exists and what what the the whole spectrum of radiation he even tried sometimes he'll just look at me and go um mommy okay and that usually means like he's going to tell me what he really knows like what what it really is right so it's super fun it's really great and and it all comes and he wants to write a book he wants to write a whole book he has ideas for what the chapters are going to be what the outline is going to be what the title is what he's going to include there and oh my gosh he is like he wants to write the outline like today it's so fun i am so excited about this but i had to learn to let the educational should go i had to let that go in my own mind. So because he didn't have it in his mind, kids aren't born with the educational should. They're not born with, oh, I'm six now. I need to learn my spelling. They don't, they don't do that. That's not how we're wired. It comes from outside sources. So give yourself a break. Give yourself some grace and let go of the educational should. You guys, I recommend that you come back and listen to this episode over and over and over again. And I wanted to make sure that this was included early on in our brand new podcast launch because this is something that everybody needs. Everybody needs. So think to yourself and remind yourself that the alarm needs to go off 
when I'm shooting on myself or someone's shooting on me, I don't need to feel guilty or bad about myself or what we're doing or where they're going. We're going to talk about all the outside sources in another episode of how to deal with people who are like questioning you or your kid, like kind of quizzing them. That happens all the time, right? And it makes you feel like you need to shoot on yourself or your kids some more, right? But don't. You need to let go of the educational should be confident that you are doing exactly what you need to do. And if there's a question, ask, send me a message, send me an email, contact me on my website, thefreedomscholar.com and set up a consultation call. Ask, just ask, and just let go of that should, because you're going to find it in homeschooling groups. You're going to find it in in your family. You're going to find it in yourself. You're going to find it all over the place in your textbooks, in your curriculum that you bought. So just learn to let it go by asking and reframing. Is this something I know I need to push myself? I know I need to, to push myself to let it go. Right. And I was so proud of a mom that I talked to the other day. She says, I know that I tend to push really hard. And I tend to really like, she didn't know the term yet, but educationally should on herself and her daughter. And she knew she needed to let that go. I was so proud of her for knowing that. And so she just wanted to know how she could do that and what are some realistic expectations for her daughter. I was so excited about that. You guys, that's such amazing, amazing insight. What a great way to start the school year, right? So you guys, let go of the educational should. Remind yourself where it comes from. Remind yourself that it's not real. And remind yourself where it really matters. It only really matters if they're going straight to a four-year university. And that is it, okay? So I will talk to you in the next episode. You guys, make sure that you rate this episode, if you would. Give me a five-star rating. And Tell me about your educational shooting. Contact me on social media and let's talk about it because this is something you don't have to keep beating yourself or your kids up about. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you're loving this information and want to connect with Cami live, join our Facebook group, the Freedom Scholar Homeschooling Community. Every Thursday in Live with Cami, you can get more great homeschool tips, how-tos, and resources, and get your questions answered. And subscribe to our newsletter to get your free ebook, Creating Educational Harmony in Your Home. See show notes for the links. Hope to see you live. This is an informational podcast. The information presented in each episode is the most recent and honest to the best of the presenter's ability. Results are not guaranteed. This podcast aims to educate and there are no guarantees of results implied. Listeners are encouraged to seek out and meet their local homeschool requirements. Any products, websites, and company names mentioned in this podcast are their respective owner's trademarks or copyright properties. The presenter is not associated or affiliated with them in any way unless otherwise stated. Nor does the referred product, website, or company necessarily sponsor, endorse, or approve this podcast. We hope you enjoy and find value in each episode. This content is copyrighted and not authorized for reproduction.